everybody. Good morning. I almost feel bad for needing to come and talk to you for interrupting that incredible <laughs> moment of worship. Um, but we do believe that God has something to tell us this morning. So we'll get back to singing. But first, we're just going to see what it is that God has to share with us this morning. Um, so if you've been here um, for a few weeks, you will know that we're in a series called Functional Faith, about what impact faith has on different areas of our life. Um, and in previous weeks, Paul talked us through how um, functional faith affects our relationships. And last week, Gareth talked to us about how functional faith uh, impacts our finances and how we can then respond um, with generosity in our life. And this morning, we are going to talk about how our faith impacts our worldview, how we see the world, situations going on in it, and then how we see ourselves within that as well. Because our worldview can be shaped by any number of things, culture, experience, emotions, experiences of emotions, um, but it is best shaped by God's word, by the Bible, um, and the most simple way to tune into what it is that God is saying is to read the Bible. So we're going to do that now. I'm going to invite Rachel to come up to read our passage for us this morning, which is from Timothy. Um, yeah, Rachel's going to come to read us. Thank you. So you should be able to see the passage on the screen, but it's in 2 Timothy 3, verses 10 to 17. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings. What kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecutions I endured? Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed, and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Rachel. Thank you. Those last couple of verses that Rachel just read, I'm going to read again in the message version, just because I think it's got a really helpful translation for us there. So um, it says, There is nothing like the written word of God for showing you the way to salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Every part of scripture is God-breathed and useful one way or another for showing us truth, exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes, and training us to live God's way. Through the word, we are put together and shaped up for the tasks that God has for us. And those are some of the things that we are going to look at this morning, but we're going to start with a bit of fun. Um, fun fact for you, the Bible is the top-selling book every year, week in, week out, so much so that they don't even include it on the bestseller list. There would be no point. It's always the Bible, absolute winner. Um, another fun fact is that immediately following every year is one Harry Potter book 
or another. Um, and so we're just going to start with a little pop quiz um, about the Bible or Harry Potter. So let's see if you, um, if you know who's who. So question number one, um, which book, the Bible or Harry Potter's, has been translated into more languages? The Bible, well done, correct. Uh, question two, which book has the most notable authors? Yeah, it's the Bible. Yeah, well done. Very good. Um, which contains the most dementors? The Bible. That is, that is wrong. It is Harry Potter. Um, and which do you read before bedtime? You don't have to answer that one. So I listen to Harry Potter audiobooks every night as I go to sleep. The Bible's in there too. So the Bible is a historical marvel. It has been curated over 1,600 years by 40 authors, we think. And it contains history and poetry, songs, wisdom, prophecy, letters. And each year, um, 100, 100 million Bibles are sold or given away. 100 million. Where are they all? I don't know where they are. That's so many. And it has been described as the most valuable thing that our world affords. And it is so precious that some have risked or even lost their lives to share it with others. So it matters, it's powerful, it's important. But why? Well, the passage that we've just looked at tells us that all of Scripture is God-breathed. It is powerful because it is true. And in the passage, we read that all of Scripture is useful. And it might be that there are some parts that we do have to dig a little bit deeper to work out why exactly it is useful. But the truth remains, it is all useful. The Bible is good for all kinds of things, showing us truth, exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes, and training us to live God's way. And as we learn each of these things through God's word, our worldview can't help but be transformed, to be brought in line with God's view. And that is why it's so powerful. As we spend time in the Bible, we are transformed by his word. So first up, the Bible shows us truth. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So God himself is truth. Scripture shows us who God is. It reveals his character to us. Now, according to Christian theology and also Wikipedia, God has 27 attributes. Now, I don't know if you think that sounds like too many attributes of God or not quite enough attributes of God, but apparently in Christian theology, that is the official number. Um, so we're just going to go through all 27. So if you've got um, the afternoon plans, you want to probably cancel those. We're not. But my point is that God is many, many things, and the Bible tells us about them revealing God's character to us. And a few ways in which the Bible shows us who God is. Firstly, through God's own words, through God speaking. For example, he tells us outright, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. The Bible also tells us who God is through God's actions, showing us his character through how he moves, what he does. So we see God heal, we see God forgive, he brings about justice, and throughout the whole story of the Bible, we see him pursue his people in love. And finally, we see who God is through human experience, through people writing down their own experience of who they have come to find God to be. So, for example, in um, John writes, God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. And in Psalms, it says, God is my help. 
And in Exodus, we read, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds. So God is many, many things, and at his core, he is love. He's not just loving, but he is love itself. And this is the fundamental truth of who God is, and it shapes how we interpret and how we understand his word. Why does it matter that God is love? Well, it matters because if he is anything other than love, we get into a bit of a pickle quite quickly, and everything in the world becomes pointless. Bear with me, I will explain why. So, if God is powerful but is not love, then there is no justice. If God is just but is not love, there is no grace. And if God is gracious but is not love, then how does that even work? Because how can you even have grace without love? It just doesn't work. So it cannot be true. It matters that God is love itself because without love, all his character is not only broken but pointless. And it is from that love that everything else springs that we read in Scripture. It is good for all kinds of things. So the Bible shows us who God is, and it also tells us who we are. So the passage shows us that scripture is good for exposing our rebellion, so for showing us where we're getting it wrong, and also for correcting our mistakes, so learning and growing, being given forgiveness, and being able to move forward with God as we learn. Scripture shows us who we are. We are broken but it also shows us who we are called to be. We are being made more like Christ. One of my favorite Bible verses in Matthew 6 says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And Mumford and Sons have paraphrased it beautifully, I think, by saying, where you invest your love, you invest your life. Meaning that we become like what or who we pay attention to. Justin Early, in his book, The Common Rule, says that the way we discover ourselves and who we are, our identity, is by looking to someone or something else. And by staring at that other person, that is where we can see our reflection or how we are different or our comparison. And if we wake up every morning and immediately run to the news or to social media, those are the things that will form our understanding of our own identity. When we view the world through the lens of the news or through social media, we can't help but view it through anger or envy or fear or even self-righteousness. I wonder what words you hear if you take this question of identity to the news. I'm in financial crisis. I'm in physical danger. I am unheard or unrepresented in government. I'm hopeless and helpless against war. I'm too small to make a difference. And how about if we take that same question of identity to social media? I'm never quite enough. I'm worse off than her, but I'm better than him. I'm really well liked. I'm approved of, but I'm so alone. And who do you see in the mirror when you go to yourself for strength or guidance or wisdom? When we look to ourselves or the things on our screens for our identity and our purpose, 
We can't even see the fragments of our true identity for all the fear and the panic and the pain for the outright comparison of our inward search for meaning and identity. And I'm not saying that the news isn't helpful or that social media isn't a great way to communicate. But the problem arises when we go to those platforms and listen to what they say about who we are ahead of what we say, of what God says about us and who we are. And our minds are bombarded with, be this, buy that, wear this, look like that, live here, take this. It's exhausting, right? Because the truth is that we can end up desperately seeking our identity in something where it is not. But when we look to the word of God, that's where we learn about who he says we are and who he made us to be. Peter writes, where else would we go? You have the words of life. God's words about you bring life and life in all its fullness. Life where death and darkness and despair once clung on to power, those things are dead and gone because God says that you are mine. You are mine. And the Bible tells a story of us as children who were made for two things and two things only. Firstly, to be loved, and secondly, to love. When we turn our eyes towards Jesus, only there do we finally see the kind of person that we are made to be. That good old classic hymn says, turn your eyes upon Jesus and look full in his wonderful face. There the things of earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Can you imagine that place where we see Jesus and everything else just falls away? That's what his glory does to us. That is our identity is in that place of worship and of awe of your creator who made you and loves you and knows you. Your identity matters because who you are is the blueprint for how you live in and understand the world around you. And so each morning when you wake up, you've got a question to ask yourself. Who am I? And who am I becoming? And every morning, God's word says, you are my child and you are becoming more like me. The Bible shapes us, teaches us, and speaks to us so that we become more like Jesus day by day. And that's not just our actions, but ourselves as a whole. God transforms our whole being. There's a verse that says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And this word mind means heart and soul and body. It's about being transformed in fullness into the likeness of God, being aligned to our natural position of being in awe of him and seeing the world the way he does. So fill your mind, your whole being, with God's words about you, about others, and about the world, and you will see transformation. You will come to recognize truth and wisdom over manipulation and lies, because that is what God does. God is love, and it's that love which calls you son, daughter, or beloved. So God's word shows us who we are in him, and it also shows us who we are called to be. We are called to be a holy people, which amongst other things means living ready to learn from him. And we know that when we are loved by God, it means we don't need to be afraid of learning opportunities, i.e. when we mess up big time, and we know we've messed up big time, and we know that God knows we've messed up big time, we don't need to be afraid of what he's going to say about it because he speaks to us from a place of love. We have a little boy called Rupert, 
who is 15 months old, and he's not really old enough to know how to be deliberately disobedient, but he is old enough to know how to be deliberately cheeky. And one of the skills he seems to be developing through no fault of mine or Justin's is to be an actual thief. Um, last week, he, for the second time, stole a packet of quavers from the queue in Subway um, and has also stolen multiple other things. Unfortunately, I'm one of those parents that photographs absolutely everything um, for fear of forgetting about it. So here we go. We've got some photos of Rupert. He has stolen my glasses. Literally took them off my face, put them on his. This is um, caught red-handed um, with Daddy's wallet. There we go. And, and then a little video for you to enjoy. <laughs> there you go. So if you can't get the cream tea, just take his nose. Fair, fair, fair play. Um, stealing, not ideal. And at some point, we're going to have to teach him not to steal stuff, particularly other people's wallets. Um, it's a trivial illustration, but the point is that when we mess up, when we sin, we need God the Father to call us out on where we're going wrong. And the Bible has a way of revealing to us those things in our life where we know we're not getting it right. Most of the time, we know anyway, because it sits there and lurks. But God comes and speaks to us about those things. He talks to us kindly about it so that we can be forgiven and we can learn and grow and move forward. And when God speaks to us through the Bible, he does so with kind conviction. So yeah, we have messed up. We are broken, unimaginably so. And in that same breath, there is grace. We know and trust that God is love. So we can invite him in confidence to teach and challenge and convict us, we can come before God Almighty with reverence, but without fear. Because there is no fear in perfect love, and you are perfectly loved by him. We do not need to be afraid of God's words for our lives, because he speaks to us from a place of unmatched love. And I don't know if you've ever been reluctant to ask God his opinion on something for fear of having to give up something you have no intention of giving up. Um, in my early adult years at university, I was sure of one thing for my life. I wanted to be a wife and I wanted to be a mum. And I clung to that dream. And I clung too tightly to that dream. And I sensed that God was asking me to give that dream to him, to lay it down and to trust his plans. Nope, don't want to do that because what if I don't get it? What if I lay it down and then I don't get the thing I want? But eventually, I noticed that it was hurting me too much to cling on to that. And what I needed more was to trust and put God in the driving seat more than I needed to cling to that dream. And I remember praying, I wrote it down, I want to want your plans for me. I want to trust that your plans for me are the best for me. Help me to trust, help me to sacrifice, and help me to run with you. And in that same moment of writing that prayer, I encountered freedom. I encountered freedom from the pressure I put on myself. I was free from the fear of being alone. And I was free from needing to be needed by another person 
because in that moment, I knew that God cared for me and my heart and my desires more than even I did. He treasured me more than I could, which was why his plans are always the best for us. What we think is best might not be the best. God's best is always the best. And over time, Jesus and I have had to have the same conversation to the opposite effect, where he's had to talk me into going out with Justin and talk me into marrying him. And now we've got Rupert and it's all lovely. And I wish I could go back to my 20-year-old self and say, you get everything you ever want, but more than that, because you learn that God's plans are what is best. I learned that I could trust God whatever his plans turned out to be. And this is the greatest gift of faith that day by day and year by year we get to walk with him and trust that he is good, that he has got us and that he knows what is best. He is for you and he is for every single one of us. God cares about you and about your experiences. So when you read your Bible, start with prayer. Invite him to speak to you through the scripture and ask him to show you what it is that you can learn, where you can be challenged, where you can grow, how you can change, how you can see the world through his eyes. God's guidance is the only guidance worth having. I think we've probably all got evidence to suggest that that is the case. And it is his favorite thing to do, to come alongside us and to to navigate the, the madness sometimes that is life. God is as active in scripture as he is in the world. Um, And so when you study the word, you can expect to be transformed by what he tells you. He will speak, he will guide you, um, and he will transform your mind along with your heart. So a functional faith is faith in conversation with the living God, learning and dreaming and moving together through the world. God's word is about love and transformation and freedom, and he invites us to engage with it and to live it out. So the Bible shows us who God is, it shows us who we are and who we're becoming, and it vastly shows us God's way to live. So in the Bible, we read of how Jesus shows us what life looks like when holiness engages with humanity. Jesus is in a unique position whereby he can be both God and human and do it well. I think that's the key. I've tried doing both. Here's what happened. I got wet feet because I couldn't walk on water. I hosted a wedding with only water because I couldn't turn it into wine. I tried to answer prayer requests but got distracted by Pinterest. And I tried to forgive some sins but I basically just got really cross at everybody else for getting it wrong all the time. But happily, God does not ask us to be him. Hallelujah. He does that, and it's best if we don't try and take over. But what we can do is live humanly in his power and by his wisdom, and that is what we get from his word. Act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. So we engage with our humanity, and we pursue his holiness. We acknowledge our weakness and our faults, and at the same time, we stand in awe of his glory and his good plans. When we have this posture of awe and of wonder, it becomes the simplest of things to trust where God leads, to trust that what he says and what he asks of us is always the best way. I found God guide us very clearly to move here. He put a name of a house (laughs) as Tor Bay when I opened my eyes and I knew that this is where we needed to come. He is our guidance in the big questions, questions of suffering or meaning or purpose. 
and he's our guidance in the little day-to-day things. I've got a friend who had a little boy and she would seek the Holy Spirit for every tiny thing. Is it time to clean his teeth? Is it time for that? What is it that he needs? God cares about every single in and out of your day and he is delighting to share that with you. And so although the Bible may not always specifically talk about what it is that you are going through, it is God's living word. And so he uses it to meet us where we're at all the time. I don't know about you, but I've never had to battle a giant with a slingshot like David did. But I have known God's presence with me on those big, scary days where I feel I can't do it. I've never been imprisoned for my beliefs like Paul, but I have been strengthened in my faith when others have laughed at it. And I've also never left a fishing career behind to pursue Jesus, but I have trusted his judgment on where my next steps should go. God knows you. And that's why you can trust where he leads you. You can trust his words and you can always, 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 always trust that you are never alone. He is God with us, Emmanuel. In the Psalms, it says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Are there any better words than knowing that that's the God who's on your side? So when we depend on the word of God for the guide for our life, we're equipped with three Ps. Praise, pray, and to be present. So praise, when your worldview is nurtured by love himself, your lens will always be hope in the darkness. It can be really, really, really dark, but if you light a match, the light is more powerful than the dark. God is still God. God is still good. And having hope and being able to praise and lift his name high, that enables us to say hallelujah anyway against all probability. So to praise, to pray. The greatest gift and opportunity we have is to be able to pray on behalf of one another um, to bring God our prayers, you know, to, um, yeah, prayer is so powerful, and it's a generous gift from God, but it's also necessary. This is how the world changes, is through us coming before God and asking for his insight, asking for his hand to move. So when your world seems hopeless, your worldview still says God can do it. God can do it. So to praise, to pray, and finally, to be present. We are all God's children, we are all loved, and we are all forgiven, and we are all in this together. And one of the most wonderful parts of God's worldview is that none of us are ever alone. We have Emmanuel, God with us, and we also have one another to run alongside. We get to live out this life in joy and in suffering, in cheering each other on and championing each other, in loving and in serving his world in sacrificing and in celebrating. So when we depend on God and his word for our life, we are equipped to praise, to pray, and to be present. So the Bible shows us who God is. God is love. It shows us who we are. We are loved. And it shows us how to live. We live in love. Shall we stand and I'll pray for us.